0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part 4 of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6:10 through 13 about how to suit up for spiritual warfare.
1: Ephesians chapter six tonight. And I mentioned to you that we're gonna spend some time focusing on um, the armor of God. And this is the typical thing that we've seen in Sunday school, as we all know. And uh, we just started this, and we started at verse 10 with the words, Ephesians six ten. finally be strong in the Lord. I mentioned to you that the word finally there has the idea of Paul concluding several layers of teaching about how we can be victorious in our Christian life. And the finally I mentioned is kind of the summing up. It's the coup de grace. It's, okay, in addition to putting on the new man and the new clothing of the new man, and in addition to being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, which is a command, by the way, not a suggestion, it's be ye kept being filled with the Holy Spirit, you also have armor from God. It is a provision from your Father to you. And what he has provided to you is a covering. Uh, It's another metaphorical picture. It doesn't have anything to do with literal physical armor. It's not a literal sword or a literal shield. And we looked at Romans 13, and we talked about how in Romans 13, it's called the armor of light, and it, it is the opposite of the deeds of darkness or the deeds of the flesh, and we are called to put on the full armor of God. We are called to put on the armor of light. And in Romans 13:14 it says, "Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts." Now we ask the question, and I think it's a legitimate question to ask, how in the world does someone put on the Lord Jesus Christ? And uh, what does that look like? Well, in the context of talking about the armor of light, which I think is Romans thirteen twelve, it clarifies that to put on the armor is to put on God. And the, the word for put on is in duo in Greek, and it's where we get the idea of endowment. And it's exactly, Stan, what you were talking about from Acts chapter one, verse eight. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the armor of God is the endowment of God. But it's more than just an endowment of God. I believe the armor of God is God. I believe the armor of God is the presence of God, or if you will, it is the presence of Jesus Christ cloaking the Christian in his power and presence, covering us and guiding us along uh, life. Now, the different pieces of armor, and this is all just some recap from uh, last time we were together, I mentioned to you two key things I personally discovered about the armor that I think will be helpful to us. Number one, the armor reflects who God is. God is the God of truth, for example. We have a belt of truth. The armor also exposes the typical ways in which the enemy attacks us. You have a belt of truth because our enemy is a liar, John eight forty four. Jesus says he was a liar from the beginning. He does not abode in the truth. And whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his nature. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. So not only do you have custom armor from God, which reflects the nature of God, but if you look at the armor, you can see the face of the enemy in the reflection of the armor. In other words, you can see the typical ways the enemy attacks the believer as you look at the armor that's been provided. So as you go through each of the pieces of the armor, what you'll see is you'll see the nature of God on the positive side, and you'll see the typical ways that the enemy attacks you on the negative side. And so you've been given these provisions from God. Now I mentioned to you that even though you have provisions from God, it is not sufficient just to say you have a provision from God, you must do something with it. And much of the Christian life really boils down to this. I'm sure most of you have discovered it, but I'll remind you anyway. You have provisions from God, but you must do something with them. You have a Bible, but you have to read it. You have a phone that you can call God 24-7, but you've got to pick it up. And I used the illustration last time of the armor of God being something similar to like the manna in the wilderness. The children of Israel had to go one day at a time except uh, for a Sabbath pre- provision, and they had to pick up what God put down. In other words, they had to go get the provision, and what, God supplied it, but they had to do something with it. And Jesus took that manna, provision from God, and he, he declared that he is the bread of God. And I mentioned to you, as we were most of the way through that message last time, That in an ultimate sense, Jesus is the bread of God in the sense that he has paid the ransom for our sin, but he is also the bread of God in the sense of our provision. And uh, so he, he not only saves us, but he ever lives to intercede for us. So there's an interesting twist on the idea of armor. This is the typical Roman armor that we would envision when we think of Ephesians 6. And I've, I've heard some Jewish roots teachers at least try to make a case, and I think it's a reasonable case, that there may be another layer to armor that may be included in this thought process. Since Paul was Jewish, and uh, he may not necessarily have been thinking of a Roman guard, although that's what we're used to, and I'm not going to really die on this hill, but I want to throw it out as a suggestion that I think that the armor of God could also include the thought of the priestly garments. For example, the crown that you see there says, holy to the Lord, and uh, that that speaks of the salvation of God and the dedication of the priest to service to God. He wore a breastplate of righteousness, if you will, which had the 12 gemstones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He also wore, wore a belt, as you can see, and so he had the different pieces of armor, if you will, in another sense. And I started thinking about this and I was thinking about what is the armor really teaching the Christian in terms of a, a battle or battle clothing. I want you to skip ahead just for a moment and look with me at Ephesians 6 and look at verse 18. This is the seventh piece of armor and I am just going to touch on this quickly but this is not often included in the pieces of armor but notice with me it says verse 18 Ephesians 6 with all prayer and petition Pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, and that gives us battle imagery again, with all perseverance and petition for who? For all the saints, and pray on my behalf. Now, if you think about the high priest's role, and you think about what he was arrayed in, his role was what? He was an intercessor. He represented the people to God and God to the people. And I think that one thing that we need to do to open up our scope in terms of thinking of armor and battle is that we are in this together. And it says in our seventh piece of armor that we're to make prayer and petition for all the saints. And sometimes when, when we think of the armor of God, we think of our solo walk with God. I've got to put on the armor for me because I've got to be equipped against that adversary that comes against me. And certainly that's legitimate and that's biblical. However, I think in Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about our battle collectively as well. You see, we don't serve in a solo army. We are the Lord's army. We serve together as the body of Jesus Christ. And part of what I think the, the text is teaching us is that we are to go into battle as intercessors, to intercede for one another, and obviously to be making intercession in terms of our own walk with Jesus Christ. Now, as we think about the armor of God, we have looked at these verses, but let's just remind ourselves where we've been. We are instructed in Ephesians 6, verse 11 to put on, Ephesians 6:11 the full armor of God. Why do we need it? That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes i want you to notice that schemes is plural of the devil there's our adversary we explored him last time we were together if you didn't if you weren't here you can go back and get the cd teaching but we looked at who he is he's a fallen angel we looked at isaiah 14 we looked at ezekiel 28 we looked at some other passages that tell us a little bit about him and what he tries to do in our lives and we talked about the fact that he's a deceiver, and we've, we've talked about the fact that he's a divider, and we talked about uh, in previous messages from this pulpit that he even caused a split in heaven, <laughs> caused a third of the stars to bail on God, and we're surprised that churches split, Right? The enemy is very active, prowling about as a roaring lion. We looked at the book of Job and we saw that he he explained that he was going to and fro upon the earth. And then we went over to 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and we saw what he does. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone literally, remember I shared the Greek with you, to drink you down. And then we talked a little bit about Peter. On Sunday, we we mentioned that Peter was a target of the enemy. Why? Because he was going to be a soul winner. He would open the door to the Jews. He would open the door to the Samaritans. He would open the door to the Gentiles. And Satan was demanding permission to sift him, remember, as wheat. And Jesus said, but I have, now think of the intercessory role again, I have prayed for you. When you have turned, strengthen your brothers. So this is a picture that emerges from our Bible about putting on the full armor of God. The devil has schemes. The Greek word for schemes, if you look at that word there, is plur, it's plural schemes and it's methodia, where we get our English word methods, the methods of the devil. So you can think of it this way. He's always scheming. But in another sense, there's nothing new under the sun. I think he's run out of ideas, frankly. Because it's just the same old repackaged lies. And what the enemy uses, and we found this uh, earlier in Ephesians 2, is he uses the world system to bring an allure to our flesh. He is the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And what he does is he uses the world and its system the fallen world, if you will, to entice believers. He's got schemes. Most of his schemes, I think, are familiar to many of you. Now, if you turn over to 1 John for a second, 1 John just before Revelation, we get a little bit more insight into the nature of our battle. 1 John 2, and let's look together at verse 15. 1 John 2, 15. After mentioning uh, fathers and uh, those who are strong in the word of God, it says that they are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. That was First John 2, 14. It says, do not love the world nor the things in the world.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH, or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's eight four four forty eight 48 Truth. 844 48 Truth. Or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: And obviously, to be making intercession in terms of our own walk with Jesus Christ, now, as we think about the armor of God, we have looked at these verses, but let 's just remind ourselves where we 've been. We are instructed in Ephesians six verse eleven to put on ephesians six eleven the full armor of God. Why do we need it? That you may be able to stand firm? against the schemes i want you to notice that schemes is plural of the devil there's our adversary we explored him last time we were together if you didn't if you weren't here you can go back and get the cd teaching but we looked at who he is he's a fallen angel we looked at isaiah 14 we looked at ezekiel 28 we looked at some other passages that tell us a little bit about him and what he tries to do in our lives and We talked about the fact that he's a deceiver, and we've talked about the fact that he's a divider, and we talked about uh, in previous messages from this pulpit that he even caused a split in heaven, (laughs) caused a third of the stars to bail on God, and we're surprised that churches split, Right? The enemy is very active, prowling about as a roaring lion. We looked at the book of Job and we saw that he he explained that he was going to and fro upon the earth. And then we went over to 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and we saw what he does. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone literally, remember I shared the Greek with you, to drink you down. And then we talked a little bit about Peter. On Sunday, we we mentioned that Peter was a target of the enemy. Why? Because he was going to be a soul winner. He would open the door to the Jews. He would open the door to the Samaritans. He would open the door to the Gentiles. And Satan was demanding permission to sift him, remember, as wheat. And Jesus said, but I have, now think of the intercessory role again, I have prayed for you. When you have turned, strengthen your brothers. So this is a picture that emerges from our Bible about putting on the full armor of God. The devil has schemes, the Greek word for schemes, if you look at that word there, is it's plural schemes and it's methodia, where we get our English word methods, the methods of the devil. So you can think of it this way, he's always scheming. But in another sense, there's nothing new under the sun. I think he's run out of ideas, frankly. Because it's just the same old repackaged lies. And what the enemy uses, and we found this uh, earlier in Ephesians 2, is he uses the world system to bring an allure to our flesh. He is the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And what he does is he uses the world and its system, the fallen world, if you will, to entice believers. He's got schemes. Most of his schemes, I think, are familiar to many of you. Now, if you turn over to 1 John for a second, 1 John just before Revelation, we get a little bit more insight into the nature of our battle. 1 John 2, and let's look together at verse 15. 1 John two, fifteen. 15. After mentioning uh, fathers and uh, those who are strong in the word of God, it says that they are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one, that was 1 John 2.14, it says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and I'm pretty sure the Greek word here is agape, if anybody loves the world, you can't serve two masters, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here you have to think not of the physical globe, but think of the world system marching to the beat of Satan's drum. All that is in the world, three things mentioned here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The source is put before us, and the source of these things is from the world. The world system appeals to these things in us and this is giving us a little bit more insight into the nature of the battle. And so the world appeals to the lust of our flesh. Look at verse 16. It appeals to the lust of our eyes and it appeals to our pride. These are the three primary areas where the world entices the believer. So we we have... A need in our body appetite. And we mentioned how the word flesh is sarx in Greek and it speaks of, in, for our purposes, our fallen human nature and proclivity towards sin, right? So something looks nice and we're drawn to it. And we mentioned that in the spiritual warfare category, the biggest thing that's really on display outside of the inter- intercessory thing that I just put before you is the idea of temptation. The enemy is a tempter. And he uses the world system to appeal to the lust of our flesh. Things that, you know, would be in this case illegitimate. Remember we looked at Romans 13 it says make no provision for your flesh in regard to what? It's lust. Not your legitimate needs. You need food. You need water. You need love. You need sexual intimacy if you don't have the gift of singleness in the context of marriage. Blessed by God beautiful and right in that right setting. But, but when you have illegitimate lusts of the flesh, you are not to make any provision for them. And one of the things that you need to do not to make a provision for the lust of your flesh is to put on God's provision, to put on the full armor of God that you might be able to take your stand. See, here's an encouragement for you. This is verse 17. It says, and the world is passing away. Everything that looks so pretty now, and also its lusts, which are inherent in what it uh, provides to people. But the one who do, does the will of God, what happens? He abides forever. So this is the battle. Now go to, all the way to the Gospel of John for a second. And I had mentioned to you that in the first four years of my Christian walk, I, I have to confess that I struggled mightily with many sins that I carried into that relationship with Christ. And one at a time, God was confronting me about those sins. And I had heard Christian people talk about the abundant life. (laughs) And I was thinking, if this is the abundant life, uh, I don't get it, right? Because people were talking about this overflowing life. And and I found something in John 10.10 that explained the, the battle. And it's just in one verse, but take a look at it with me. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly or have it to the full. See, there's two halves of the verse. We normally talk about the abundant life, but we don't often talk about the first half of John 10, verse 10. It says, there's a thief, and what does he come to do? He comes only, this is his sole purpose, to steal and kill and destroy. But by contrast, Jesus says, I came that they might have life, here true life, eternal life, and might have it abundantly or might have it to the full or might have it overflowing. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here's the question. Are you experiencing the abundant life? Is it possible to have an abundant life in Christ? Yes. Jesus says that's why he came to provide you an abundant life. He wants to bless you, and I mentioned to you that armor is really for one thing, and what is the one thing armor is for? It's for protection. He wants to bless you. He wants to keep you supported and protected and keep you blessed and overflowing in your Christian life. This is why God has provided the armor to his people. So return, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to jump in to the armor, but before we do, we'll talk about a few things that we closed with last week. And we'll only look at the belt of truth tonight. But let's go back to verse twelve, because I just touched on this last time. In Ephesians six twelve it says, For our struggle. Uh, Paul doesn't say my struggle. He doesn't say your struggle. He says what? Our struggle. Now I had mentioned the army imagery and that we're all in the battle together. So this is our struggle. And we ended last week and I said to you, it would be good for us all to just confess right now that the Christian life is a struggle. I I don't hesitate saying that because that's what my Bible just said. (laughs) It's our struggle. Now, what kind of struggle is it? Well, I mentioned that the Greek word for struggle here has the idea of wrestling. It's, it, it is uh, a word that speaks of mano e mano. It's kind of hand-to-hand combat in that sense, breath against breath, face against face kind of combat. That's the imagery that's coming up here. But it is our struggle, so we don't have to do it alone. And of course, ultimately, we, ha- we have God, and that's all we need. But it's our struggle, and it's not against flesh and blood. Now, sometimes when I read that, I mentioned to you last time, I say, Paul, are you sure? (laughs) Because flesh and blood is people. And it sure seems that most of my struggles are with people, right? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I sense the spiritual battle a little bit more intensely, maybe like you do. But for the most part, most of my problems seem to be with people. (laughs) Why is that? Well, because in the battle, we, we understand that it does flow through people.
0: You've been listening to Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare, Part 4 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much
1: and God bless.